as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, aka Citizen Bot, also Big Shiny Robot. And it was a pretty, pretty slow week at the movies. I think everyone's still hung over from uh, Star Wars Force Awakens and The Revenant. So the only thing we really got this week was 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, and then we're going to follow that up <clears throat> with kind of our thoughts on the Oscar nominations. And if we have time, uh, both Andy and I are voting members for the Razzie Awards. So we are going to hopefully talk about uh, some of the worst pictures of last year. Uh, which they seem to agree with us as far as their nominations. And we actually might be able to sit here while Andy live votes for his uh, on his ballot. <laughs> so anyways, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Benghazi! Uh, Benghazi! Uh, so the newest film by Michael Bay. And I, this one kind of sneaked up on me. I wasn't... I Boo, didn't know Michael. this was coming out. Huh? Boo, Michael Bay. Exactly. It's, it's Michael Bay, and so... You know, let's just say he hasn't had the the greatest run of quality movies uh, since ever. Um, but you know, you, you got to go see it. So it kind of went in um, a little bit worried about what's going to happen. And the first thing I will say is, for a Michael Bay movie, this is actually pretty decent. Uh, he does a very good job shooting action and you know, getting those kind of scenes uh, get the audience's blood pumping. So that's definitely on full display here. Uh, but there's some things holding it back. So, uh, as, as everyone knows, Benghazi happened back a couple years ago on the eve of September 11th uh, in Benghazi, Libya, when militants attacked the you know, U.S. consulate there and brutally murdered the ambassador and some other members of his staff who were there. This story takes place from the point of view of six soldiers who were actually uh, ex-military who were hanging out at the CAA annex right down the street from where the consulate was. Uh, it was an undercover CAA operative. No one knew about it. And so when all this crazy stuff starts going on, they want to hop in and get in there and save lives and do this. And the CIA agent who's in charge of everything says, no, no, we can't. You know, We don't have orders. We can't do this. So eventually they say, screw it. We're going to go there. We're going to try to rescue as many people as we can. <coughs> and so they go in. Guns blazing, try to, you know, stave off the attack. And then when they go back to their compound, now everyone knows what they are. So the story is they have these 13 hours to, it's basically the 13 hours of their uh, defense against these militants who are trying to take over that compound while waiting for help from the U.S. government, the U.K. government, Israeli government, anyone who could possibly get there and help them out. The only really big actor that you'll know from this movie is John Krasinski, who we know from The Office. Uh, he plays Bearded Soldier number one, and then we've got five other actors who play Bearded Soldiers number two through six. Uh, I'm not trying to write them off, but that's the characters themselves are very interchangeable, uh, and with the exception of one, the one guy who's a smartass, when you see him on screen, it, it could be either one. It doesn't really matter. Um... So like I said, this is very much a Michael Bay movie, and when he's doing the action scenes, it's done very well. Uh, of course, there's the slow-mo, there's the explosions, there's the lens flares that we all know from Michael Bay movies, but it's exciting, it's pulse-pounding, it's interesting, it has you on the edge of your seat, and then for whatever reason, 
they decide to stop that and delve into how these people are dealing with being under fire and joking around and trying to make things less tense. And it happens so often that it really pulls you out of the experience and makes this movie drag. I mean, this is a two-hour, 20-minute movie. Uh, by the end of it, you felt like you were there for three hours. Uh, it would have been a lot smarter had they just thrown all the action scenes together, made like one big hurrah towards the end, and, pull, and pulled that off well. Instead, you get really cool moments and more moments. Uh, aside from that, at the beginning of the movie and then towards the end, they try to really make you quote-unquote feel for these soldiers by talking to their family back home. You know, one of them is finds out that he's going to have another kid. The other one is talking about how he hasn't seen his son yet since he was born, if I remember correctly. And it's... The thing to keep in mind here is that, yes, these were... These are ex-soldiers. These are people who fought for our country and put their lives on the line. But in this situation, they are very much soldiers for hire. Uh, they are there uh, without backup. They are there to protect the CIA annex. And as someone who's had friends who went through Desert Storm, went through various Afghanistan and military conflicts, uh, they were actually, once they retired, were given the choice to go back and be these the security team. And every single one of them said, hell no, because if something bad happens, there is no backup. The, the military is not going to send people to come get you because you're not part of the military. Uh, you're kind of, you're a soldier of fortune. So trying to feel sorry for someone who put themselves purposely in that line of duty, it's kind of hard to feel that way for them. Um, I know, wisely enough, though, the movie does not dive into the politics. So you're not going to see, oh, well, we called Miss Clinton and she said, no, we're not going to send people. Or we did this, we did that. The majority of it is different military groups trying to find a way to send people to back them up and help them out. But, yeah, it's the action scenes are good. But in the long run, it almost seems like this is Call of Duty the movie. Because everyone's going in, shooting the bad guys, high-fiving each other. And then you've got the boring moments in between battles, which is kind of like the load times for the video game. So it, at best, it's pandering. At worst, it's almost propaganda for the U.S. military might or the U.S. soldier of fortune might. Um, it's not bad, but I think people are going to go see this, and they're going to go in hoping to find some semblance of, oh, hey, we're blaming this on Hillary, or hey, we're doing this. And people are finding that when it's not there. So I don't know. It's, it's, I'm a, it's a mixed bag. It's... I'm around a 5 or a 6, I think I'm going to go with a 5.5. Uh, this definitely is not Michael Bay's worst movie. Uh, it's probably among his better ones. But in the end, it's it's nothing we haven't seen before. And I, the story could have been really interesting and well done in the hands of like a Steven Spielberg or a Ridley Scott or a director who is more seasoned and knows how to handle human interaction. Uh, but instead we get, like I said, Call of Duty, the, the live movie. I think it's really hard when you take something as politically charged as Benghazi is. And, I mean, look at what's happening with this movie. Even though uh, it it tries to remain very apolitical, that political context, it just seeps through anyway. And, like, Donald Trump is renting out theaters to send people who are going to the Iowa caucuses to go see the movie before they go vote. Because this is like catnip to a very specific type of person that it doesn't matter whether you tell them you know the facts of what really went on at mm-hmm. Benghazi it's like oh well they're they're just they're just mad at Obama they're just mad at Hillary because 
it, look, people died, and yeah, that's awful. And you know, this is it. Like, we cannot understate the tragedy of what actually happened, but like congressional investigation after congressional investigation, and yet here we still are, like with with no smoking gun as it were even though that's that's probably a horrible turn of phrase <laughs> um but i mean i think people are gonna take take that political uh, that political thing into it that the premiere for this movie was actually uh out here in my neck of the woods at at cowboys stadium up in arlington oh well there you go yeah and they showed it up on that giant jumbotron uh, that you can see if you've watched any of the Cowboys games, and man, people were mad at Hillary. <laughs> well, and that's and that's the thing that it, it, it's again. I've always decried critics who go into a movie wanting to hate it, and then they come out and they've got that you know that you know peering down their nose. Well, man, this movie was man, 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 man. It's the same thing with. 13 hours is Michael Bay has come out and said specifically, there is no political agenda here. We just wanted to tell the story of these people who were involved in what happened. So he's very specifically said, there is no political agenda. And there isn't. I mean, there's no callback to the U S saying, you know, and I think one scene they mentioned that the president's being briefed about what happened, but there's, there's literally no political agenda here. There's nothing, there's no subtext there's no reading between the lines, and I've already seen reactions online from people who were like going in, quote unquote, hoping to find the truth. We'll finally find out what it is. Yeah, you're gonna find out the truth about Benghazi from a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I've got to do this. It's just frustrating because the movie, like I said, the movie itself is not bad. There's, you know, a 5.5 is an average rating. It's not bad. It's not good. There's some good parts to it. But it's annoying that people are going to go in looking for things that aren't there. And you're going to find them if you want to. I mean, I can go watch The Wizard of Oz and probably find Nazi propaganda if I was looking for it hard enough. It, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it's frustrating because this movie is going to accomplish things that it shouldn't because people are expecting to find things that aren't there, and they will find them. I've, I've still got to see this regardless of, you know, you, even the mediocre reviews that, that both you're giving it and I'm hearing from elsewhere – just because it's Michael Bay and just because it's Benghazi and it's two things that I just love to hate on. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to have to go check it out um, for myself, but I'm not going to, I will not review this movie until I've actually seen it because that, that's something I really try not to do. And as we get into talking about the Oscars, there's movies I haven't seen. It's like, I would love to tell you my opinion on that, but I haven't seen it yet. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to get to it. So like I said, from coming from the point of view as this is a Michael Bay movie, it's actually pretty decent from what we're used to from him. It's a million times better than Transformers, but there's just there's too much going on that people are going to look into that. It's, again, it's, it's infuriating, infuriating because it's, it's a war movie. It's like trying to go watch Saving Private Ryan and coming out with a thesis about Hitler. It's... You're, you're looking in the wrong place for evidence or quote-unquote facts when this is very much a, like we said before with Steve Jobs, that it's a story, it's a movie about a man 
It's not his biography. This is not the biography of the people who were there. It's based on the book, and even people who were part of this, who were in the movie, were typecast as like bad people. Like the head of the, of the CIA annex who said, no, don't go, has come out and said, I never said that. I told them to go. It's like, I, I knew no matter what I said or did, they were going to make this decision anyways. Um, so, yeah, it's fiction, people. Just go in. If you want to enjoy it, that's fine. Have a good time. Watch things blow up. But this is not real life. This is, quote unquote, based on a true story. And there were definitely liberties taken. Very interesting. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Anyways, so I've talked forever, and I'm sure you guys are all tired of hearing me. Andy, tell us about the Oscars. Well, we got this year's Oscar nominations this week. And boy, howdy. Um, I was, I, I don't know whether I should have been surprised or not surprised by what we got. It, it just, you know, the again, the, the Twitter tag shows up again, Oscars so white. Um, I got reminded that a year ago in, in my time hop app, I was complaining about exactly the same problem, but Selma and Ava DuVernay and David Oyelowo weren't nominated for awards. And I was really, really mad about that. And I'm like, I'm looking at this year's Oscars and it's like, well, here, here are your nominees, I guess. So let, let's run these down. And I think the best way to talk about these is to talk about not only like what's interesting that is in here and who might be uh, some of our favorites, but who got left out. So best picture. We have The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room and Spotlight. So interesting, I thought that the Academy, they did the expanded from six to eight, but they didn't go from six to ten. Um, if, they, if they'd gone to ten, I think it was pretty obvious that Inside Out should have been in, in that list. Well, Inside Out should have been on the list no matter what. I mean, I, I, I'm, for one, very, very surprised that, I mean, we knew... Revenant was going to do well because that's been the, <clears throat> the critical darling for the last season, but Mad Max getting 10 nominations right behind uh, The Revenant is, is pretty spectacular. I mean, that was that was both one of our favorite movies of the last year. But uh, Inside Out, which did get nominated for Best Animated Picture, I mean, since the moment I saw it, I've been saying, this is one of the best pictures of the year. This deserves to be recognized for, you know, for that uh, accomplishment, and I don't know if it's just they're they're afraid of putting an animated movie up there because they think, oh well, if an animated movie wins, then maybe people will you know, discredit the Oscars. Here's the thing: is I love the Oscars. I have a lot of fun watching it, and it's really cool to make the guesses and you know find out that my favorite movies were in there. But their ratings keep on going down, and the fact that you've got you know like Brooklyn um, and The Room are very both indie type films that most people haven't heard of. I mean, they're, they're catching heat for nominating things that, yes, to them may be the best of the year, but the average Joe doesn't know about. I mean, thankfully, we've got, like, The Martian and Bridge of Spies and Mad Max, but a lot of people didn't see a lot of these movies this year. Yeah, I'm I'm actually, I think the biggest surprise on this list for me, though, is, I mean, I expect the Academy to go for Room or or even Brooklyn, I didn't expect the big short to be in there. Really? I, I loved it. I loved it. But 
I, that's because I felt like it was a movie almost tailor-made to my interests and my sensibilities. But this is a comedy movie about the mortgage crisis. So it's like, how in the world did that get in there? But Hateful Eight didn't? I, I don't know. Exactly. I, I, I find that very surprising. Um, and which, you know, in my estimation, I like The Big Short more than Hateful Eight. Like, just by a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not like, trying to make that comparison. But I am... I am trying to say that I think it's interesting that that he w- that that was not in this. Yeah, thing. and see, as as much as I I really did like Bridge of Spies, uh, I I'm very surprised that made it as compared to Hateful Eight, Inside Out, or some other movies uh, that I felt were better movies than that one was. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to Best Director because I feel like you know when when you do when you have a Best Picture. The, there's also um, there's there's the best picture nominees, and then there's the best picture nominees who also got nominated for best director. And if if one of those two things is off, then it's like either yeah, it was a good movie, but it wasn't really like the best. Or right. So if you're looking if you're looking to narrow down your list to what's going to win best picture, you, you'd be well, it'd be, it would behoove you to go down to Best Director and choose from one of those five movies. Yeah, and and so and so for for Best Director, you had The Big Short, Adam McKay, Mad Max, Fury Road, George Miller, The Revenant, Alejandro Inaritu, Room, Lenny Abramson, and Spotlight, Tom McCarthy. Um, again, no Tarantino. I my my new pet theory is that all of the Tarantino fans have become Inaritu fans. Yeah. I just, I think that everyone who was into, um, into Tarantino's movies have now been like, oh, we're kind of done with him. He's kind of old school. Now we're, you know, we're still kind of in love with Birdman. We really like The Revenant. So, um, and, and, and then you've got George Miller, um, Mad Max Fury Road. It's kind of the, I don't know, maybe is this one of those legacy things like, we need to give him his Oscar because he's he's been around so long and done so much, and we're finally getting around to honoring him, like the Scorsese thing. Or is this? I, I mean, I really think he he deserves the nomination, but um, but look at who's not on this list. Spielberg is not on this list for Bridge of Spies, and mm-hmm. um, uh, on on top of that. Uh, Ridley Scott is not on here for The Martian. Um, I think both of those are probably pretty big oversights. I'm, again, especially with Adam McKay, like, getting a Best Director nomination, uh, like, this is the guy who did Anchorman. Um, and he's <laughs> like, now, now they're going to, like, they're going to make an Anchorman 3, and it's going to be from the Academy Award nominated director. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, I, I'm still, I have this big feeling that the top two that I, I think are going to pull up front are going to be, for best picture at least, and then also possibly best director, would be The Revenant and also Spotlight. And Spotlight, the quote unquote liberal Hollywood elite love to have those types of movies because it kind of pokes, it doesn't, 
like we said, doesn't poke fun at religion. It just it's it digs deep into the uh, the, the transgressions of religion, mm-hmm. and I see that being something that they would they would award for that message piece. You know, like, like it's like, like a message award. Um, but then the Revenant with Inurito. I mean, last year with Birdman it was fantastic, and the fact that he's paired up again with the same cinematographer who won last year as well, um, and telling that story. Because with The Revenant, which honestly I haven't seen yet, every time I try to go see it, something horrible happens and I miss the screening. Uh, but just reading about it and then, you know, pretty much the hell the whole film crew went through. I mean, they were out there literally freezing their asses off doing this movie. Um, the cinematographer shot all the scenes with natural ambient light. They didn't have actual lights out there doing stuff. So he likes to take the, the movie and the genre and do it in ways that have never been done before. Gravity gave us... Uh, zero gravity effects no one had done before uh, Birdman it was like you were watching you know a movie that was shot in one take and then with The Revenant we have this new way of doing it so I think there could be a very good chance that they they might go that route but then again he's a relatively new director on the scene and they do, want, do they want to reward a new director two years in a row or do they want to go like so maybe with a George Miller who quote unquote it's his time kind of thing. Yeah, so I think I think that'll be interesting how that how that plays out. But again, I'm just very I'm really surprised that Scott wasn't nominated for the Martian, but um, uh, but Adam McKay was for for the big short. So whoever was doing uh, the whoever was doing the PR for the big short and sending out those gift baskets. Um, I think they did their job. Those people deserve some bonuses. Well, I wish they'd send me one, damn it. Yeah, I know. Well, I'd, I'd have loved a big short gift basket. Like I, <laughs> I, I loved that movie, but um, it's just, it's so funny because it's, it's just, it's a very different kind of film and it's a very different kind of film to see in the, in the Oscar nominations. Um, let's look at acting. So, for actor in a lead I think role, acting's kind of, like, well, go ahead. I think we, we kind of know who's going to win that. Yeah, well, we've got Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Fassbender for Steve Jobs, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. I, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to write off Eddie Redmayne. I don't care how good that performance was. I'm still not forgiving you for Jupiter Ascending. Nope, like, and we'll talk about that in the rises in a minute too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you you seem to think DiCaprio's got it nailed down. Um, I yeah, this is he, he's been nominated enough times. He's done enough stuff. He's he's got such a body of work that he's not been rewarded for. Uh, this is going to be a legacy award for him. I mean, he just won the Golden Globe. I, I don't unless something crazy happens, and. You know, honestly, I think Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs was fantastic, and that was one of my favorite performances of the year. Um, but yeah, it goes to the whole: what did he suffer through for his art, and <laughs> the fact that he has not won other times when he probably should have. So I, this is going to be his year. So that's that's probably true. I really need to see The Revenant so I can make a an informed decision on that. So actress in a leading role: Kate Blanchett for Carol. Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence, Joy, Charlotte Rampling, 45 Years, and Seorsi Ronan for Brooklyn. Um, so, 
again, I want to write off Kate Blanchett because I just thought Carol was boring, but I don't know. She might be in it, but I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I have not seen Room and I've not seen Brooklyn. And these are two of the films that I'm most excited to see um, because of these nominations. I've meant to get around to them. Um, because they both just look like great films. And uh, I, I don't know that I can really weigh in on this, um, having having not seen them. Yeah, and I have not seen The Room either, but again, everyone everyone's talking about her performance. The moment that movie came out, it was saying that was the best performance of the year for male and female. So I'm going to predict that right now. I, again, I'll be able to weigh in hopefully within the next couple of weeks because I've, I've got Sundance too. So I got to plan for all that. But uh, yeah, that was again, even with the golden globes, everything else, that's the, that's the early contender. Important safety tip. Do not try to see the room um, because that is one of the most terrible movies ever made, but do, but go see room, which is nominated. Have you ever seen The Room, Adam? And see, no, and that's what was funny. When this movie came out, I thought they were referring to The Room. I'm like, that was the most horrible movie I've ever heard of. Like, why would you, like, be awarding someone for their performance? And I was like, oh, oh, this Room. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Lisa, you're tearing me apart. <laughs> so great. It's anyway, um, actor in a supporting role. Christian Bale, The Big Short. Tom Hardy, The Revenant. Mark Ruffalo, Spotlight. Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies, Sylvester Stallone, Creed. Um, man, that is a tough category for me right there. Because um, you you kind of want to give it to Sylvester Stallone, um, just just because. And yeah, yeah. But, but really, I think like if I had to fill out an Academy ballot, I'd probably go for Mark Rylance and Bridge of Spies. That was I just, see that's where I am too. That's a, that was a great performance, um, but I can't. I have a hard time not nerd crushing on both Tom Hardy and Mark Ruffalo. Um, I'd probably go Ruffalo over Hardy over Bale, um, but that's I, that's really really close um, be, between them. Um, Ruffalo's great in Spotlight. He's probably. Uh, Really, actually, surprised that Michael Keaton didn't get a nomination for Best Actor, but um, for for Spotlight. But I guess he got it last year. So, uh, but, but he didn't I, win, which he needs to win still. Yeah, I think both Ruffalo and Keaton uh, and and Lee Shriver um, give the three best performances in Spotlight. So uh, that that's worth seeing. Actress in a supporting role. Um, let's just give it to Jennifer Jason Lee for The Hateful Eight. But yeah, there's. She, you know, she, she's in the whole movie, but she doesn't really come to life until the the last third, and she absolutely owns every single second when she kind of comes out of her shell, and you know, there's that's when the kind of the plot reveal comes out. Uh, they could possibly do Kate Winslet because I was halfway through Steve Jobs and didn't realize that was her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jennifer Jason Lee, she she nailed that role. Uh, she was the best. I'd say that's probably the best part of that movie. Yeah, so I, I don't see why they would give it to anyone else but her. And on on so the the other ones you mentioned, Kate Winslet, Rooney Mara, and Carol again, snore for me. Uh, Rachel McAdams, Spotlight, who I thought was great, and this is interesting. Alicia, exactly. Vikander, yeah, I was gonna go there. Alicia Vikander for the Danish Girl. 
why she's nominated for the Danish girl and not Ex Machina, and why Ex Machina isn't anywhere else in these major awards, I do not understand. Yeah, I think maybe they felt, oh, we gave it to the Martian, that's enough sci-fi. Uh, but no, it, she should have been nominated for Ex Machina because for nine-tenths of that movie, she's acting just with her face. You know, she just used this robot, and then she puts on clothes and looks more human. But she gives the most amazing, brilliant, heartfelt, and I'd say that subtle performance that I've seen. In fact, if you put up her and Ex Machina versus Jennifer Jason Leigh from Hateful Eight, there might be more of a battle there. Yep. But, uh, yeah, there's... I'm not sure what they were thinking about that one because she definitely deserved more for Ex Machina than for Danish Girl. Ex, Ex Machina came out in the late winter, early spring, and I think just everyone had forgotten about it except for in the writing awards. So, yeah. Um, okay, so we've got a bunch of other categories here. What what else do you want to you want to go through, Adam? Um, you know the, the big ones are pretty much we, we did those. I mean, animated feature film that's inside out without a without a second thought. Um, oh, cinematography that's that's the other one I want to talk about too. Uh, so that's yeah, we've got Carol Ed Lockman who that that actually is a very beautifully shot film. So I'll give them that. The Hateful Eight, Robert Richardson, yeah. Mad Max, Fury Road, John Seal, The Revenant, Emmanuel Lubezki, and Sicario, Roger Deakins. That's a very interesting group right there. Um, and I, man, that's that's going to be a tough choice. I would probably, you know, I've said before, I'd go with Hateful Eight for cinematography just because I'm in love with that 70 millimeter and what he's able to do with that. Um, you might have convinced me, though, in our year-end wrap-up to go with Mad Max. Um, that's that's really tough. And, of course, we've got to go see The Revenant. So Yeah, and the, again, it goes back to what I mentioned was that he, he shot the whole movie with natural ambient light. But... Yeah. And this is this goes back to the, the Academy Award doing what they the Academy doing what they do. He's already won two years in a row. So do you think they're gonna give it to him three years in a row? Yeah. So problem maybe yeah. I don't know. I, cinematography seems like one of those like underappreciated jobs that maybe they're they'll they'll go ahead and have a favorite and 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 go ahead and like Say yeah, you're the king. You're the you're the Babe Ruth of this category. You're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep rewarding you. So I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't think we've ever won three in a row. I think the most we've had is two in a row. Because you know, because uh, Tom Hanks got nominated three years in a row. He won two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I don't know. I'm I'm iffy again. This is one of those things where do the politics take place over what's. <sighs> what's better so I if they don't do George Miller for best director I can see them very easily doing this for best cinematography because that movie is absolutely gorgeous and the way they they did just all the stuff live the only really green screen they used was to add in background effects you know that's they did things in this movie that hadn't been done before yeah so I I am going to give a little shout out to Sicario though that that was a very well put together film that if, I mean, really, it, I 
yeah, the Hateful Eight, Mad Max, and and Revenant are probably where the action's at. But I'm glad to see Sicario on that list just just because. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting. Again, I will I'll be able to make better predictions as time goes on. Um, just so everyone knows, if you want to predict the Oscars really well, go watch the SAG Awards, watch the Directors Guild Awards, watch the Writers Guild Awards, because those movies that win those awards generally win the same ones at the Academy Awards. So uh, I think it was two years ago. I, I hit a perfect a perfect score in the, like in the, like all the big awards and then some of the smaller ones, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, how'd you do it?" I'm like, well, you, you just have to keep your eyes out. <laughs> well, because you, most of the people who are a member of SAG are member or most of, yeah, most of the people who are members of SAG are members of the Academy. Most of the people who are members of the Directors Guild are member of the Academy and, and so on. So like they're, if they, if they win in both of those, that's probably a lot of ballots that are going. And keep in mind that there's a lot more actors and actresses than there are directors and writers and cinematographers. So keep an eye on those movies too. Or those awards to see what they nominate and what they uh, they honor because that's probably going to have a bit more sway than maybe what the Directors Guild would have. So, but anyways, we talked about some of the best of the best this year. Um, let's switch over really quickly and talk about just a couple of the Razzies. So I already sent my ballot in, and okay. I know you were you're still working on yours because they're due by what February fourteenth, I think. Yeah. So we'll send in a night. Well, I'm I'm going to fill this out right now. Let, so let's do this together. Okay, got, so I've got uh, worst, the Razzies. Yeah, the Razzies. Worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, Human Centipede 3, Fantastic Four, and Alvin and the Chipmunks 4, The Road Chip. Uh, I I got to go with Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see Road Chip or uh, Human Centipede 3 because no. Uh, but yeah, Fantastic Four was just god awful. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw... Well, I didn't see Human Centipede 3, thank goodness. I, I stopped after the second one. Like, just no. I, know I, was able, I was able to handle this, a Serbian film just fine, but something about Human Centipede just always sets me off. He will make the Human Centipede... Anyway. It's Feed her! Feed her! The, that movie. Um, so, but I gotta go with Fantastic Four just because the the what it should have been versus versus what it was. So, worst screenplay. Pixels, 50 Shades of Grey, Jupiter Ascending, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 or Fantastic 4. Um I think you know, it's really hard to say like what the problem with the movie was if it came from the script or if it was, or if it was something else, and I think, like Pixels, I, I don't know if it was if it was necessarily the script. I think that was Adam Sandler and the directing there. Um, I and and the same with Fantastic Four. I mean, the script was dumb, but that wasn't the real problem with it. I kind of want to go with with Fifty Shades or with Jupiter Ascending. I don't know what what did you go with. Uh, I did Jupiter Ascending because half the time I'm making fun of that movie is because of the god-awful script. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Call, call me Jupe. No, you were never called Jupe once in the entire damn movie, and you're never called Jupe ever again. Shut yeah. the hell up. You're stupid. No. And and the bees. 
the bees are attracted to her. I think that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Jupiter ascending. Done. Worst supporting actor: Josh Gad, Pixels and the Wedding Ringer, Eddie Redmayne, Jupiter ascending. Okay, I'm just gonna. Yeah, that's Eddie. We got that. Um. Also nominated: Jason Lee for Alvin and the Chipmunks, Kevin James for Pixels, and Chevy Chase, Hot Tub Time Machine Two, and Vacation. He wasn't that bad in either of those. Just he was just a bubbling fool. He was just he was just there. Worst screen combo: Adam Sandler and any pair of shoes in The Cobbler, Johnny Depp and his glued-on mustache in Mordecai, all four Fantastics, Fantastic Four, Kevin James and either his Segway or his glued-on mustache in Paul Blart Mall Cop Two, Jamie Dornan and Dakota Johnson Fifty Shades of Grey. Um. You know, I, I think I didn't dislike the Fantastic Four, all of them. I think I just hated Miles Teller. Yes, so, who, my, who apparently is on the short list to be young Han Solo. And I wanted to take that and blow that idea up with really? all the team team. No. Um, Jamie Dornan and Dakota Johnson for Fifty Shades. That, that was a real lack of chemistry there. And they kind of hated each other. That's why I went with because they hated each other in real life. Uh, in the interview they're in, whatever else, they were just, they absolutely despised each other. And that very much came across in that movie. And when, considering it's supposed to be about a very, you know, S&M kind of, you know, sexual relationship, it, it was like watching two pieces of wood clap together. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going with that. Okay. Worst director... Paul Flickman, Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, Josh Trank, Fantastic Four. Okay, I'm stopping. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. kind of funny, too, is they, uh, that might actually be, they might be pulling in Alan Smithy with that one because he's kind of disowning that movie because of all the studio meddling, so. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. But he's, he's decrying studio meddling. I think that he didn't. He didn't know what he was doing, and it got away from him. No, he, he got it over his head because he was given a budget of you know hundred million dollars instead of the ten million he had for Chronicle, and didn't know what to do with it. So, yeah. yeah. So also nominated in there, uh, the Wachowskis for Jupiter Ascending and Sam Taylor Johnson for Fifty Shades. Yeah, I, I got to go with Josh Trank on that. Okay, worst supporting actress Rooney Mara for Pan. Oh, Rooney, uh, Kaylee Cuoco oh, Sweeting. For Alvin and the Chipmunks, for and the Wedding Ringer, Julianne Moore for Seventh Son, Michelle Monaghan for Pixels, and Amanda Seyfried, Love the Coopers and Pan. Um, that is tough. I I didn't I didn't hate Michelle Monaghan and Pixels. And yeah, she I wasn't didn't, she wasn't the worst part of that. She actually was the only interesting part. I didn't see Love the Coopers. Should I, should I? That'd be terrible if I just vote for Amanda Seyfried. No, don't. If you hit her in pan, do that. See, I voted for Amanda Seyfried because it was the only damn chance I had to vote for Love of the Coopers, and that movie is so god awful that it has to win something. <laughs> she's barely in pan. She's in it for like two seconds. She drops her baby off at the orphanage, and that's it. So, oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh well. Anyway, worst actress: Katherine Heigl, Home Sweet Hell. Gwyneth Paltrow, Mordecai, Mila Kunis, Jupiter Ascending, Dakota Johnson, Fifty Shades of Grey, and J-Lo, the boy next door. I'm going to go with Mila Kunis. It was just 
awful. Um, I don't I don't remember if I did Dakota Johnson or Jennifer Lopez. I just remember that they were both horrible actresses, horrible in those roles. Mila Kunis didn't bug me too much in Jupiter Ascending. In fact, going back, I think the biggest problem with that was the script. Um, because there were scenes that were repeated and uh, like the whole Call Me Jupe things, and things were brought up that were never mentioned again. It was more the script and Eddie Redmayne that annoyed me with that movie. Yeah, no, I was... There were there was a lot there. Um, worst actor, it begins and ends with Adam Sandler. So, oh, easy, yeah. Uh, also nominated Johnny Depp for Mordecai, Channing Tatum, Jupiter Ascending, Jamie Dornan, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Kevin James, Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. Man, people really hated Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. I didn't... I mean, it was a dumb... They didn't, they didn't screen it for us, so I didn't see it, so... <laughs> I, I saw it, but it wasn't that bad it was just stupid there's many many worse movies um out there uh entourage was a movie that i nominated as a write-in over and over in the razzies and nowhere on here way worse than mall cop oh see i was would love the coopers i wrote in every category so (laughs) um worst picture pixels jupiter ascending 50 shades of gray paul blart mall cop 2 and fantastic four i'm going with pixels, and see, I went Fantastic Four, and, and that actually works with our reviews because oh. you hated Pixels worse than I did, and I hated Fantastic Four worse than you did. So oh. now there is the Redeemer Award. So someone who has previously won Razzies who did something good this year. So we have Sylvester Stallone for Creed. Uh-huh. We talked about that; it's pretty good. Will Smith. Um, for concussion, Elizabeth Banks, who I didn't know she directed movie forty-seven, um, but she did direct Pitch Perfect too. Yeah, and M Night Shyamalan, which uh, I don't know why he's there because The Visit was a piece of crap. So uh, I kind of go with Elizabeth Banks. Um, I I kind of loved Pitch Perfect too, and she she had a great year otherwise um she did a lot of other great things she was in that um she was in that brian wilson movie uh love and mercy and right love and mercy and and she was and she was also in the hunger games so um and and i still kind of have a crush on elizabeth banks <laughs> i went with us Sylvester Stallone because it, it's good to see him back doing what he does well and he didn't win for playing the Rocky back when Rocky came out and I think it'd be kind of cool if he this was his year to kind of come back and because if he did Rock Sloan's getting up there he, you know, we don't know how much you know with this month being the way it's been who knows how much longer we have some of these people for so I think it'd be kind of cool if he gets his due um, and the really cool thing with this is uh, anyone who wants to vote for the Redeemer Award if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and do a search there um, anyone can vote on that so if you want to throw your vote in there and uh, say who you think was deserves this one. The only really good Razzie. Uh, you all have the chance to do that until I believe uh, February fourteenth. Yep. So that's that's great. I'm yay yay for <laughs> yay for Razzies. Yay for badness. Cool. So there you have it. Uh, you know, mediocre movie this week. Uh, you got some Oscar thoughts, and then you got to listen to Andy live vote for the Razzies. So. Uh, next week, we've got, uh, again, slow week. We've got Sundance coming up. I will be there, so hopefully I'll see some good things I can share with you and possibly some bad ones to stay away from. And then 
Uh, Anomalisa, I hope I'm saying that right, is the stop-motion animation film. Uh, it's by the same guys who did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and also a nominee for Best Animated Picture. So hopefully we'll have a chance to check that out and share our thoughts with you next weekend. So everyone have a good week, and hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now.